Well, I'm so disappointed. When was the last time you uttered these words? Perhaps it was a person or a situation or even yourself that you were disappointed in. We all experience disappointment. It's just part of life, right? And the Bible recognizes this. And part of the reason that I love reading the Bible is because of how honestly it deals with the realities of life. It doesn't gloss over hard things or pretend like everything is a fairy tale when it isn't. No, the Bible hits the hardest topics of life head on. And when we open the Bible, we read about all sorts of complex and imperfect people, men and women who come face to face with God in their most desperate moments. And what we learn in those moments, whether the situation that we find ourselves in is the result of our own bad choices or just the circumstances of life, is that God is always with us and always at work. And you know, the people of ancient Israel were really no different than you and me. They also experienced disappointment from time to time. And this morning, as we continue our Led by Fire study through the book of Exodus, we're going to take a brief look at Exodus chapter 5 and 6, where there are three disappointments described. And we're going to use the experiences of the people of Israel to explore disappointments in our own lives and to consider what, if anything, we can do about it. Well, my name is Richard Rock, and to be clear, I'm not disappointed this morning. (laughs) I'm actually thrilled to be here sharing God's word with you. But before we begin, I'd like to ask that you would join me in prayer. I'd like to ask that you would pray to God that he would open your heart and open your mind to what God might have for you in the message this morning. So let's pray. Father God, you know the heart of each person that's here this morning. You know what our last week looked like, how we're feeling. You know what's going well and what isn't going well in our lives. You know the stresses that we're under. You know if we're close to you or far away. And so, Lord, I just ask that wherever we are at this morning, each of us individually, that you would draw close. I'd ask that you would do what only you can do that you would whisper the words that we need to hear this morning, that you would soothe the weary, bind up the hurting. Lord, we ask that you would just give courage to follow you boldly. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. And we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, well, uh, Siri is always the right place to start when you need to find a definition for something, right? So if you ask Siri what the definition of disappointment is, she will tell you that it is sadness or non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. Now, expectations, there's a loaded word. (laughs) When Michelle and I were dating, we met with a pre-engagement counselor, and one of the many things that he said that has stuck with me all these years later is that expectations are premeditated disappointments. (laughs) He had other observations and questions like, I can't believe she's considering marrying you. And why is she considering marrying you? But that's sort of a different conversation. Um, But the idea that expectations are premeditated disappointments is a big idea. I mean, I can hear that just in your reaction. Like, it strikes a chord, doesn't it? 
This was a hard one for me because I'm very expectations-driven in my life. I set an idea in my head, and if my expectation doesn't come true, then I'm disappointed. And I'm not a really great person to be around when I'm disappointed. Maybe you're better. (laughs) And that's because disappointment is a very powerful human emotion. Sometimes it can push us to try harder, but most of the time it doesn't. Most of the time, instead, we experience experience other emotions alongside our disappointment like anger, despair, frustration, bitterness, exhaustion, and oftentimes just a really intense desire to give up. Recently, I had to go to an important meeting, and I looked in my closet and realized that my suit was dusty and misshapen, or maybe I was misshapen after COVID, I'm not sure. In any event, Michelle and I went shopping to get a new suit, and as I was being fitted for the suit, I began to visualize myself walking into my meetings and how amazing I was going to feel in my new fancy suit. I was developing this powerful image and picture in my mind of what it was going to be like. But when we went to pick up the suit from uh, uh, just before I left town, it was all wrong. (laughs) They actually had one leg longer than the other, They didn't alter the seat, so it was all baggy in the back, and the pockets weren't laying down flat, and it wasn't what I was expecting. It was not the picture that I had of walking into my meetings feeling so amazing. I had made an appointment with this picture of the future, and as it wasn't going to come true, or it looked like it was at risk, I began to feel disappointed. Now, Not having a new suit to wear to a meeting might be the absolute very definition of a first world problem, right? And we do all experience disappointments in life. So isn't this just something that we have to learn to live with? Isn't this something that I just needed to learn to live with? Well, the answer is yes. We do need to learn to live with disappointments, but let's emphasize the word learn because we can learn how to manage our expectations. We can learn how to manage our feelings of disappointment. And this is important, because in that moment when my disappointment was growing, I was tempted to lash out at someone or something. And many times, disappointment, when it's left unaddressed, can fester and metastasize into other emotions and feelings such as anger, despair, bitterness, depression. Disappointment can cause us to give up on our goals, abandon our plans for the future, or seek to even cover up the hurts that we're feeling with destructive choices. Disappointment affects relationships. Disappointment has ended marriages. Disappointment has caused people to turn to uh, substances and overeating, quit their job lash out at those around them, hurt others, even hurt themselves. And disappointments can create openings in our lives for the devil to establish a foothold to begin chipping away at your faith, your faith in the goodness of God. And so disappointments have even caused some people to walk away from God. Another way to understand what a disappointment is is to look at the root word. And the root word of disappointment is appointment. We all create appointments with our expectations in our mind, with a future that we have an expectation of achieving in our mind. 
And if that appointment in our mind doesn't happen, just like we expect it, then we add the prefix dis in front of appointment, and that neg negates the, the root word, and it turns our appointment into a missed appointment or a disappointment. Now, we all experience disappointments in life in at least two ways. First, we can have an inaccurate picture of the future, and when that inaccurate picture doesn't come true, we're disappointed. Or we can have an accurate picture of the, of the future, but be disappointed by the path that life takes us on leading up to that future. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he was welcomed by cheering crowds of people. They all thought he had come to free them from the Roman occupiers. But when it became clear that Jesus wasn't there to lead a rebellion, those same people just five days later were crying out, crucify him, as Jesus was being led to the cross. They had the wrong picture of who Jesus was. Later in the book of Thessalonians, we see many believers who correctly understood that Jesus was going to be coming back a second time, but they had a misunderstanding of when that was going to happen. They expected Jesus to return immediately. And so many of the believers in Thessalonica quit their jobs and they stopped planning for the future. They didn't think it would matter. And so Paul had to remind them in the book of Thessalonians, stop being lazy, get back to work. Yes, look forward to Jesus' return but keep on living productive lives until he comes. These believers had the right final picture, but the wrong path for how they were going to get there. Well, in the last few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Exodus and God's, book for, uh, God's plan for freeing the Egyptians. I said that during the recording too. Freeing the Israelites from the Egyptians and the slavery that they had uh, um, put them into. Um, and... Uh, and the Israelites actually knew that God had a plan for freeing them and taking them to the promised land, but they had wrong expectations about the path that God had chosen for them. They thought their freedom would come quickly and easily, but they were about to be disappointed. Now recall that Jacob and his family had gone to Egypt 400 years earlier to escape a terrible famine. And over those 400 years, they grew to become millions of people. And initially, they had been welcomed into Egypt. Uh, but over the years, the Egyptians had become fearful of how many people the Jewish people had become. So they enslaved them. In fact, they even tried killing all the baby boys, as we uh, talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, when Tim was preaching. They wanted to control the Israelites. Moses, fortunately, through divine intervention, was spared infanticide, and instead, Moses grew up and was called and equipped by God at the burning bush. He was called and equipped to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into freedom and into the promised land. And at the end of chapter 4, we see Moses and his brother Aaron coming to the leaders of Israel to let them know that God has heard their cries for freedom and that Moses has been uh, sent by God to lead the Israelites out. And the elders of Israel are overjoyed. They have been waiting hundreds of years for this word, and they fall down and they begin worshiping God. Imagine all the years of praying and hoping and waiting for this moment. And when it comes, it sparks incredible expectations. 
God is on the move. And they can't wait. Exodus chapter 5 opens with Moses and Aaron boldly approaching Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And they deliver a message from God. They declare, the God of Israel says, let my people go. But it became immediately clear that freedom wasn't going to come quickly when Pharaoh responded, who is the Lord that I should let the Israelites go? I do not know the Lord. I will not let Israel go. And with that, Pharaoh said, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. And he commanded that the Israelites not only had to keep making the bricks that was their hard labor, but now they also had to gather the straw that was the raw material for making the bricks. And so the disappointment of the people of Israel was compounded by the fact that not only did they not get their freedom, but now things were harder in almost every way. And as Pharaoh's harsh response began to sink in, some of the Jews confronted Moses and Aaron, and they said, the Lord, look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials. You've put a sword in their hands to kill us. And chapter 5 ends with Moses beaten up, figuratively, by the words of his brothers and sisters and going back to God and saying, why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on these people and you have not rescued your people at all. Here in chapter 5, we see three types of disappointment. The first type of disappointment is disappointment in our circumstances. We've all experienced disappointment in our circumstances, right? When things don't work out like we expected or hoped. And it's especially difficult when it not only doesn't work out like we hoped, but it actually gets harder. This can be true in our jobs, our finances, our relationships, in school, in our health. The second type of disappointment is with people. Now here in chapter five, we see the Israelites that are expressing their disappointment with Moses. But in life, we can be disappointed by all sorts of people. Our boss, our spouse, children, parents, the company we work for, the leaders of our nation or city, the person altering my suit, the barista behind the counter, <laughs> even myself, right? The third type of disappointment that we experience and that we see here in chapter 3 is actually a disappointment with God. Can we be disappointed with God? Yeah, we can. We can have an incorrect picture of who God is and then be disappointed when God doesn't live up to our expectations. Look again at how Moses cries out to God at the end of chapter 5 in verses 22 and 23. Earlier, we read the NIV version. But here's how these verses hit me. Why, God? Why haven't you done what you said you were going to do? I did what you asked me to do, and it wasn't easy, I don't mind telling you. I risked a lot, and so did all these people. I did what you asked of me, but you haven't held up your end of the bargain. I'm so disappointed. I know I say this a lot, but you have to love reading the Bible. It's so honest. We get to see Moses in all his humanness essentially ask the creator of the universe, do you know what you're doing, God? 
Do you have this? Am I safe trusting you? And here's a question for each of you this morning. Is it okay to be this honest with God? For some of us, we may have never considered sharing these sorts of feelings with God. For others, we might feel like it can't possibly be okay to talk like this to God. It's gotta be like heresy or blasphemy or something, right? <laughs> so we pretend like we don't have these types of feelings or questions. For others of you, I know you're very comfortable sharing your thoughts and emotions with God just like Moses does. So, is it okay? Is it okay to share these types of feelings and thoughts with God? Well, yes, it is. It's okay to share even our deepest fears, ugliest thoughts and emotions, even any angers, anger or emotions we might feel with God. But we should never lose sight of the fact that God is God and we are not. And here's a mind-blowing thought for you. If you knew everything that God knew, you would choose exactly what God chooses for you. He loves you that much. It's when we lose sight of who God is and how reliable his promises are that we're tempted to become fearful or angry or disappointed. So when we approach God with our rawest thoughts and emotions, the correct posture is one of humility, where we come before God to confess what we are feeling and to ask God to do a work in us to transform our mind and to remind us of who he is, to remind us how reliable his promises are. And so at the end of chapter five, we see Moses unburdening himself with God. And in chapter six, verse one, God responds right away. He says, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let the Israelites go. And in verses 2 and 3, God says, I am the Lord. And then he recounts the many promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Promises to bring them into the promised land and to bring them freedom. In verses 5 and 6, God says, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites. I have remembered my covenant. Go and tell the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to the man. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. Basically, God is telling Moses, you better believe I've got this. I made a promise, and I keep my promises. Now watch what I'm about to do. Moses hears this, and he's filled up. He's encouraged, and he goes to report back to the people of Israel, but we read something incredibly sad in verse 9. When Moses goes to tell the people that God is coming, we read that the people could not listen to Moses because of their discouragement and their harsh labor. Their undealt with disappointment had already begun to metastasize into something more than just disappointment. It had become disappointment or it had become discouragement and bitterness. They'd shut off their ears, and they could no longer hear the encouraging word of God. And you know, as followers of Jesus, we should all be sensitive to the hurts and disappointments that our brothers and sisters might be experiencing. 
Because the enemy loves to use disappointment as a beachhead from which he will attack us. This is why the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When we see hurt or disappointment in other people, we should rush in with the grace and encouragement that God always wants us to offer. Because the church plays a vital role in each of us overcoming the stumbling blocks of life. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, the author writes, See to it, brothers and sisters, that no one has a sinful, unbelieving heart. That no one has that type of heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you might be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Being available to encourage others in a church body like Central Christian Church is part of God's plan and purpose for keeping disappointments from turning into bitterness or worse. But what can we do as individuals? Earlier, I acknowledged that disappointments are part of life, right? But that we can learn how to deal with disappointments better. And you know, as followers of Jesus, we are all on a journey. That means that we should constantly be striving to grow as the Holy Spirit leads us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, Paul refers to this as the process of putting off our old self and being renewed. And you know, that old self that we're supposed to put off is the source of all sorts of desires that lead to disappointment. So what can we do? Well, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul writes that we should grow up in our behaviors. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Paul is telling us to grow up spiritually. When you became a Christian and decided to follow Jesus, that was the beginning of your journey, not the end. We should each have an expectation that we are going to grow in our faith, that we should be transformed in our thinking and our actions over time. And as we walk with God, we should see new godly habits take hold in our lives. We should begin seeing sin differently, more from God's perspective and less from the world's perspective. We should desire to actually sin less. We shouldn't be satisfied with where we are at in life or okay remaining stagnant or stuck in our faith walk. At Central, we often talk about um, being imperfect people in progress. Michael just talked about this a moment ago, and this is so good because we are imperfect people, right? <laughs> but we should be imperfect people in progress. Now, if you're like me, then dealing with missed expectations and disappointment could be a growth area for you in your Christian walk. So here are three questions for you to ask the next time you're dealing with disappointment. First, where did your disappointment come from? Who are you going to listen to when things aren't going as you hoped? And when does that expectation become a disappointment? So first, uh, when you think about that expectation that is the source of your disappointment, ask yourself, where did I get this expectation? Where did it come from? Is it from God or from someone or something else? 
we should desire to have God set our expectations. But the reality is, is that life is full of alternatives to God's ways. And one way to think about or categorize um, the alternatives to God's ways for our life is to think about them in three buckets, the world, the flesh, and the devil. For example, are your expectations being set by observing the world around you or watching everyone's carefully curated lives on Instagram? Is there an image of success promoted by the world that you think you have to achieve to be successful, happy, or attractive? If so, you might be setting yourself up for disappointment. Or do you have expectations that come from your own fleshly desires? This is one of those old Christian phrases um, that refers to the desires that come from inside us in our heart. These desires might be rooted in our pride or our vanity, a desire to control things, our own immaturity or emotions. But the Bible tells us that we really can't trust our heart or our thoughts or our feelings when we're trying to discern what is right or even what we want for ourselves. And this is because we are sinful. And because we're sinful, our desires are going to be sinful. And following sinful desires will always lead to disappointment. And finally, we need to guard our hearts against the attacks of the devil. As I mentioned earlier, he would love nothing more than to to set you up for disappointment because he knows that's going to be fertile ground for him to cultivate bitterness or hardness against God and his word. And consider for a moment about how Satan deceived Eve. He put a false image of the future in her mind. He said, you can be like God if you'll just disobey him in this one area. His lies led to death, and they still do. Instead of looking to the world, the flesh, or the devil for our expectations, we should want God to set our expectations. Because the only expectation that doesn't lead to disappointment is the expectation that comes from God. And God wants to be the source of our expectations. He wants to share with us what he's doing. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, Call to me and I'll answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we're reminded by God himself that he will transform our minds so that we can test and approve what his will is for us. And as God transforms our mind and frees us from the power of the world, the flesh, and the devil, we will be increasingly able, increasingly discerning about which of our expectations are coming from God and which are coming from ourselves. Now, the second question we can ask ourselves is, who are you going to listen to when things are not going as you hoped or planned? Mike Tyson is famous for saying, everyone has a plan until I punch them in the face. (laughs) Well, sometimes our best plans get punched in the face by life, right? And in those moments, we can be bombarded by words, both internally and externally, that we have to decide whether or not we're going to listen to them. And it's in these moments that Pastor Tim's teachings uh, in our prior series about taking control of our thought life is so incredibly important. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, which was one of the, the core verses that Pastor Tim covered, that we're supposed to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. 
And that's never perhaps more important than when we're facing disappointment. Because the pressure to criticize or condemn ourselves or others in those moments is especially high. We'll be tempted to say or think things like, I'm, I'm such a failure. I'm not enough. I, I, I'm stupid. I, I, I suck. I should just give up. And when we turn those same destructive thoughts on others, we're going to be thinking and saying things like, they suck. They're worthless. They're stupid. They did it on purpose. I don't think they even like me. They're lazy. I should just give up. These are lies that we shouldn't listen to. Recall that God's voice is never condemning. So if you hear a condemning voice in your mind, that's not from God. Next, as you're taking these thoughts captive, keep Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 in mind, where Paul says, stay focused on things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Because part of taking each thought captive is to arrest the lies and replace them with truth. Next, be wise in the feedback that you receive from other people. In chapter 5, at the end, we see Moses on the receiving end of exceedingly harsh comments. And you know, here's the thing. Moses knew that he was doing the right thing. He was doing what God had called him to do at the burning bush. But Moses was so badly treated by his own brothers and sisters, I might add, it hurt. It hurt so much that Moses turns to God and says, where are you? Why? You know, occasionally in life, even when we're doing the right thing, we're going to be unfairly attacked. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, when he reminds us that we're to live such good lives, live good lives among the pagans, that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, they might see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. One takeaway I have from this verse is the, un is the understanding that sometimes we're going to be attacked even when we're doing good things, even when we're doing the right thing, even when we're following God. And so we do need to be discerning about the feedback that we're going to receive from others, even when it comes from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, the Bible does tell us that wounds from a friend can be trusted. And we should be open to feedback and correction, because sometimes we need it. But the words that we receive should be delivered with gentleness and love. And we should always ask God for confirmation of those words before we fully, completely accept them. Finally, stay close to God in these moments because we want to hear God's words. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17 tells us that God's word thoroughly equips us for every good work. And this includes the encouragement and the strength that we're going to need to accomplish what God has called us to do. God always fills us up from his word, just like he did for Moses in chapter 6, when God said, I am here and I will do what I said. These words strengthen Moses. 
They gave him the energy and the assurance that he needed for the next stages of the battle. Now, the final question to ask yourself when you're experiencing disappointment is, when does that expectation become a disappointment? In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we're reminded that God is not slow in keeping his promises. The Israelites were impatient with God. They wanted God to act on their timeline. And generally speaking, I guess I probably do too, right? <laughs> but God knows what he is doing. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And you know, sometimes God doesn't share everything that he's doing with us. But he always shares enough so that we can succeed at what he's called us to do. Moses and the Israelites expected God to deliver them immediately from the hand of Pharaoh. But God had 10 more plagues to go. God knew exactly what needed to be done to demonstrate his power over the spiritual forces of evil that uh, dominated Egypt. And if Moses had given up, he would have missed out on being used by God to bring about the amazing miracles that are in the coming chapters. And when I'm tempted to think that God is slow or not keeping his promises, I need to recall that God always keeps his promises and that I'm actually working on God's timeline. He's, he's not working on my timeline. So keep listening. Keep following God's commands. And as we prepare to close this morning, I just want to review a little bit of where we've been, summarize all this. First, disappointment is a powerful human emotion, and it occurs when our expectations are not met. We can be disappointed in our circumstances, people, ourselves, and even God. And disappointments, when, we're, when they're not dealt with, can separate you from other people. They can separate you from your purpose, and they can even separate you from God. As a body of believers, we have a responsibility to come alongside others and encourage them. And as followers of Jesus, we all have a responsibility to grow up in our faith. To grow up in our faith, including in the ways that we deal with disappointment. And we can help do this by asking questions like, where did my expectation come from? Whose voice am I going to listen to? And when am I going to let that expectation become a disappointment? But if we will allow God to set our expectations, stay close to him and his word, operate on God's timeline, not our own, we're going to begin making big steps towards dealing with the disappointments that we sometimes are going to run into in life. And that'll be a part of how we grow up. But you know, I want to acknowledge that there are times in our lives when we don't know where the disappointment is coming from. We don't know where that expectation came from. We don't even know what's happening in Psalms 40, in chapter 42, verse 5, David's writing, and he says, Why, oh my soul, are you, are, you, are you so discouraged? Why are you so disappointed? David's wrestling with something that he doesn't understand, and sometimes we wrestle with things we don't understand. But David resolves, he says, I will yet praise you. Even in the midst of not knowing, I will praise you. Because sometimes God sees fit to leave us in the dark. Sometimes he won't share all the details of our situation. And while that can be frustrating, we have to hold our own expectations loosely. 
and rest in the knowledge that God has a plan for each and every one of you. And you know, here's the thing. Sometimes there is a hidden purpose in our unknowing. Consider Job. Most of us know Job from the Old Testament, the Bible. He was a righteous man. He was loved by God. Yet Job saw his children, his possessions, his health, his reputation, all taken away without explanation. Life took a very hard turn in a direction he didn't expect, and he was disappointed. He spends the whole book of Job wrestling to try and understand what is happening, but God never fully explains it to him. But at the end of the book of Job, and even though he never fully learns the reasons, we see Job declare something amazing, incredible. In chapter 42, verse 5, Job declares, My ears, they had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job realized that while he didn't get all the answers that he wanted, he got something really amazing from God. In the struggle to understand his circumstances, in the wrestling with God to understand what he was experiencing, Job came to know God better. Job had grown up learning plenty about God. He had heard about him. But in wrestling with his circumstances, now God, Job knows God. He's experienced God. And in getting to know God, Job learns that he can trust God with everything. Trust is key in any relationship in our lives. And it's true with our relationship with God as well. We have to believe deep down that we can trust God. We have to believe that God doesn't just have a plan for our lives, but that his plan is better than our plan. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we're reminded that God's plans for us are designed to prosper us, to give us hope and a future. And while I might give up on my future, God never does. I might not understand everything, but God does. And because of that, I have the opportunity to place my hope in something that will never disappoint. Because the only hope, the only expectation that doesn't lead to disappointment is the hope that Jesus offers and the expectation that God himself is there to lead us. Let's pray. Father God, what a privilege it is to be in this house with brothers and sisters, to be able to approach you in prayer, to praise you, to sing to you, to seek your guidance, to ask you questions, to talk about our day, share the things that excite us, to share what's happening in our lives, and Lord, even to share our disappointments. And Lord, how amazing it is to me that you're not bored or bothered by the things that we bring to you. You love us, Lord. You care about us. I don't even know what to say. Lord, we just want to say thank you this morning. Lord, I want to pray for anyone here this morning that's feeling heavy with disappointment. Lord, would you lift them up? Would you encourage them? Would you encourage them with your words, with your presence? Would you surround them with brothers and sisters who will also encourage them with their presence? 
Lord, guard their hearts, protect them from bitterness, hedge them in and protect them from the schemes of the evil one. Lord, thank you that you created us and that because you created us, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know that we're imperfect people. But as followers of Jesus, Lord, we don't want to be stuck. Would you help us be those imperfect people that are in progress? Don't let us remain children in our faith. Grow us up. Help us to put those childish ways behind us. Help us be adults in our thinking and our acting. Help us to trust you more. Lord, let our expectations be set by you and only you because you're the only hope and the only expectation that won't disappoint us. Lord, this morning, I just want to pray for anybody here that is listening but hasn't yet made that decision to follow you. I pray that they might hear your voice right now, your offer of grace, your invitation to peace. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here who's not yet a follower of Jesus, they might just make that decision to follow you by saying a simple prayer, something like, Father God, I need you. I can't do this on my own anymore. Just hand it over to God. Invite him to, or commit yourself to following him. Invite him into your heart. Say, God, help me to follow you better. And if you just said a prayer like that this morning, congratulations. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. And Father God, we just want to say thank you for all that you do. We love you. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.